Blog Talk Radio. WIJSF.com. Women in Jazz South Florida Inc. is a nonprofit educational organization that promotes women musicians globally through events, concerts, performances, clinics, lectures, workshops, articles, interviews, newsletters, courses, contacts, research, history, archives, websites, film, audio and video recordings, and recognition. Visit us at WIJSF.com. You're listening to blogtalkradio.com slash musicwoman with your host, Diva JC. Bangle. 
just as soon as I'd finished high school, pretty much, I met some people, some guys in a band, and they were the biggest, hottest rock and roll band in India at the time. And uh, something, the singer of that band got some some problem with his throat, and he couldn't sing. And I, I happened to just be there, and they said, "Can you sing?" And I knew all the all the music, so I just joined the band. And that's how I started. But very soon. The rock and roll gave way to jazz, and you know, here I am, fifty, sixty years later. Okay, now you write music. How many songs have you written? Hmm, I haven't actually counted, but maybe about over the years. You know, there's a, a I've written lyrics to many, many, many songs. I can't even remember. Then I posed my own songs, maybe about thirty or forty tunes of my own. Wow, that's impressive. And how many, <laughs> well, especially how many, now during Corona. Right. How many have you recorded? Um, well, the recording, I think, you know, officially recorded, you know, on a record label kind of thing was just this album, Bangalore Blues. But I have actually, you know, these days, what with, YouTube and the internet and SoundCloud and all the independent ways in which you can actually record and release your music. Uh, almost every song that I've ever written is uh, published. That's great. I've been, yeah, I've been able to find musicians, you know, around the globe uh, who, you know, would want, who would be interested in playing the, the music with me. So uh, I was able to do that actually during Corona when we were in severe lockdown for a couple of years and I didn't know what to do with myself because, I mean, really, there was nothing to do all day long. So I hit upon this great idea to find musicians around the world, whether they're in uh, Russia of all places, Russia, uh, Japan, Germany, the U.S., New York, different places, parts of the U.S., people around the world, Italy, to collaborate with me and, you know, to play my music. And it's all on YouTube on my jazz channel, on my YouTube channel. That's terrific. I was listening just now to Spotify. Two oh. of the files that you sent me were corrupt. Yeah. Okay. But I'm going to oh. try to play something from Spotify, and I want you to tell okay. me if you hear it, okay? Okay. All right. So this is called Connections, and it is yes. from your UNK I only have my eyes for two Okay. Oh, yeah, that was uh, in 2012. Can you hear this? Yes. Great. I think I just found a way to make my life easier. Play songs on Spotify and have this show at 10 o'clock in the morning instead of 4 o'clock on a Friday. Rada, you changed my life. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. It's really very good. As long as the music is on Spotify, it's very easy. I see this. So... Do you have a publishing company 
I do not. I absolutely Robert, do not have a publishing company. You no. have four, 40 songs and no publishing company? <laughs> Nobody wants to publish my music except me. No, I okay. mean, I've done albums with different people and all that. But, uh, I mean, what what is the point of it? Well, you cannot get royalties if you're not with... Um, a royalty collection agency like BMI, ASCAP, CSAC. Right. right. So, listen, you became a member of Women in Jazz South Florida. I became yes, I your do. mentor. Your assignment yes. is to incorporate your music company. And don't call it Rhonda Thomas Music, okay? Okay. All right. Name. Languidor Publishing. And then you must act as a corporation. Okay. Now, you can publish in India, but you said your son lives in New York, right? Right. Yes, he does. So you can publish in the United States. Yeah. I am actually American. I mean, I'm an American citizen. Naturalized American citizen, yes. Okay, well then, your next assignment is to incorporate, and you don't have to incorporate in the state of New York. You can incorporate in the state of Delaware, which is supposedly a lot less. Then you have to go to ASCAP. Right. Okay. Or you could go to BMI, Broadcast Music Incorporated. But you you must do that this year, okay? Right. But, you know, <laughs> the question is, Joan, unless you have a huge fan following and lots and lots of people who are listening to your music, the expense of joining ASCAP or BMI or any of these kinds of companies, because they have annual fees, they have all kinds of membership charges and this and that and the no. other, may not no. be worth it, right? No. ASCAP doesn't oh. charge you a dime. BMI oh. charged me $100 in 1983, but I don't remember. <laughs> I, I left them. I left BMI, okay. and I went to ASCAP. The thing about it is, are you a bona fide composer? Yes. I am. You must be yeah. in the business of music. That song right there, Connections, is beautiful. It could become... Um, a soundtrack for a movie. But if you are not positioned correctly as a business, then you're going to be manipulated. Manipulated. You understand? I understand. I I, I appreciate this. I really do. And definitely gives me pause for thought. And I definitely should look into it and get on with it already. Right. Now, how do you work with people like Michael Brecker John Schofield and John Faddis, and you don't know this. And it's because <laughs> men do not share. You must ask. You must question yeah. as a woman. But they do share with each other. So yeah, I'm, yeah, sharing, yeah. I'm sharing with you. You understand? I've been, I have I, been. It's so sweet. No, so sweet no, of you. I'm not sweet. I'm not nice. 
I'm angry. Oh, yeah, I I'm know. Angry I get it. I get it. Women do not know how to do the business of music. Okay? So women yeah. only earn 15.15% of the 19 billion dollar music industry because they don't do the business. You understand? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I and do. you can't take it lightly. You have to get serious about it because there are younger women who are watching you. You yeah. see? So now my next yeah. question is, what okay. advice do you have for a young, say, Indian woman coming into the world of jazz? Um... First of all, you know, from the perspective of an Indian person coming into the world of jazz, it's a huge transition for a lot of people because Indian music, I mean, this is my personal opinion, and it's also because I've studied uh, Indian music, and I know what jazz is all about. The two don't mix. The two don't, uh, they don't combine easily, and they don't uh, lend uh, you know, the study of one doesn't lend itself to the uh, performing of the other because the approach is totally different. Jazz is, is all about harmony and all about chromatics and all about singing over changes, whereas Indian music is all about singing on a single scale, if you know what I mean. So a lot okay. of Indian women who studied Indian music will find it hard to do jazz, you know, unless they shed the Indian uh, music altogether. Otherwise, it's hard to get it into your head. I, I don't know if I'm making sense to you at this point. So, I would suggest that if some Indian woman wants to get into jazz, you got to get serious about it. And then, of course, follow the advice that you're giving as well from the business side. But first of all, in terms of being true to the art form, you need to know what's what's going on with the changes. You know. So, how did you find that out? By listening, you know, nonstop, like, I mean, I would listen to a song a hundred times, you know, and um, I would listen to saxophone solos and trumpet solos. And I I started get, getting very interested and started, started to fall in love with vocalies, you know, uh, and I heard, you know, all these wonderful vocalies bands, which I'm sure you know. You know, like Lambert Hendrickson Ross and so many other so many other bands, and I decided that I would write my own lyrics too. Because aside from music, I'm also a writer. I've you know have four or five books actually published by Penguin and publishing houses like that. You know, to uh, not in music but in 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 writing. So I wanted well, to write uh, lyrics. So to vocalize lyrics. So I did that. And doing that kind of uh, gets you deeper into the heart and soul of, of the music. Okay. So when was the first time that you realized that you liked that? How long ago was that? I think it must have been by the time I was um, 12 or 13 when my mother would you know, play, even even if it was, but, you know, I didn't know what it was called really back then, whether it was Frank Sinatra's music or Ella Fitzgerald's music or Billie Holiday's music. I just loved it. 
it was so romantic and so beautiful and so you know soul fulfilling if you know what i mean i do know what you mean <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. okay now now I came let's... Into the blues later you know uh yes. oddly i first listened to the jazz part of it and then later on i discovered the blues after i joined the band which was kind of a rock and rollish band but very heavily into the blues of the time you know this was in the mid 70s uh-huh when did you first come to new york what year i was 76 well actually first time in 71 and i was there for a little while because i have a lot of family living in new york and then i moved there in 1976 it was actually a a journey from india to new york i was selected by some jazz uh, aficionados very kind of wealthy age men in 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 india who for some reason for, formed an organization called jazz india and they were looking for people to sponsor to represent india kind of you know to go to different parts of the world and sing you know original music with jazz overtones and then i made my way to new york that's how i got there mhm and then you stayed for 20 years yeah i did i i absolutely did and it was in new york which is a wonderful place to be <laughs> it's funny cuz i left new york in 70 and returned in 73 and laid on my mother's couch and cried for a month until <laughs> i could get out of new york so we have two oh. different perspectives i went to florida yes. and just thrived in florida you know So, I I'm so heartened by listening to you because you know my son uh who lives in New York is planning to move to Florida and I was so disappointed and so upset and so sad I have been weeping here thinking to myself what about my New York you know when I go there because I stay with him obviously it's too expensive for me to go and stay in a hotel and all my friends are in New York you know all the friends that I made when I was a young person and uh but now i met you and you're in florida so it's yes, going to be I'm good about to move to north carolina <laughs> oh oh no <laughs> everything is changing everything is changing i know everything is changing yeah yeah but now, i mean as what, long as there's music well yes music is universal what song would you like for me to play from uh the other album where did the other album go okay i have three albums from you right no everything okay so i have you and me let la lisa never touch no that's not me that's not oh, me that's it says rada tom maybe there's somebody else go- Oh somebody made a radio station of your work with somebody else. Really? Yeah. I don't know who that is and how dare they do that. <laughs> well don't worry about it. I'm I've got you. I had another question for um, you but it kind of sure. slipped my mind. Um okay. So, let's see Rada Thomas. I have to get used to Spotify using Spotify. Okay, so yeah. Bang Bangladesh 
Bangalore. Bangalore. Mm. Now, yes. what about Only right. Illusion? The morning. That's a good song. I love okay. that song. The morning after. Okay. Yeah, the morning after is a. Uh, I like that song. It's got some Indian overtones. Okay, we're listening. Well, that sounds like the story of my life right now. And I do agree, get me home so nobody has to hear me moan. I like that song. <laughs> it's kind of depressing, but it's the story of it's my a life. true story. Pandemic. <laughs> yes, it's a completely true story. So, I mean, most of the songs that I write have, you know, deep roots in reality. Because otherwise I can't, I can't come, I can't make up stuff. You know what I mean? In that sense. Mm-hmm. Me too. I, all the books <laughs> I've written, fourteen books, and they're all wow. nonfiction. Nonfiction. I can but tell me about yeah. your book, Men on My Mind, and more Men on My Mind. Tell me about that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, my my jazz career has never uh, provided me enough money to make a living uh, in any manner of speaking. So I've always had to have some other job, whether it was in New York or whether it's here in in India, I've always had uh, some other job. And uh, somehow or the other, it's always sort of veered towards writing, whether it was writing travel brochures, which was one of my first jobs in New York. Uh, to, you know, being an editor of a newspaper here in in Bangalore and editing other people's work. And I started writing a column for this local magazine called Between the Sexes. Uh, And the column ran for maybe about five or six years. It was every month, you know, I'd write a column. And then some people came up to me from a book publishing company and said, "Why uh, why don't you write a book about you know, about this. And it's like a tongue-in-cheek, fun kind of way of looking at men and women and sex and, you know, the desire for it and all that. Maybe today it's all considered uh, not cool at all, but with the climate being the way it is. But back then, you know, I mean, I was very happy if some construction worker whistled at me. I don't know if you know what I mean. I didn't get upset and instantly called the cops. It was kind of like an affirmation that I looked good, but it's not that way anymore. And I don't know what people will think of uh, either me or what I'm saying, but it it was a different time, a different age. And so this is a kind of like a coming of age story, but it's it's humorous. And the second book is just, you know, growing up. And it's mostly set in New York. Growing up. I see the cauliflower diet. (laughs) <laughs> yes. And then growing up also meant growing out. You know what I mean? Like fat. Growing <laughs> uh, fat. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I, think, I think that we have the wrong perspective on older women and fat because if you fall and you're skinny, you can break a yeah. bone. But if you fall it's and true. you're fat, you bounce. 
you know, so. It's true. That's what's even better is if you fall and you're junk because then you're all limp and you don't get that wounded. And I don't know if you know, this is the truth, that if you are like extremely drunk and limp, you're unlikely to get very, very wounded as opposed to if you're stiff and rigid and anticipating the crash. But that's the other thing is if you're over, yeah, if you're overweight, uh, you know, your bones can't take it after a while, at, after a certain point. I know mine, mine are protesting a bit, which is when I started to go on the keto diet and discovered, this is about six years, seven years ago, before cauliflower rice was famous. And I was making it, I was even making sushi with cauliflower rice. So, yeah. I just had a chicken pot pie with cauliflower pastry. Oh. It was, was delicious. It nice? Yeah, Mrs. Callender, it was delicious. And I made cauliflower, like, mashed potatoes, you know, like yes. mashed potatoes. Yes, I do. But I put goat cheese in it. Yes. You know, the thing is with cauliflower, you can do pretty much anything. And as long as you put a lot of cheese in it, you can use it. I've made pizza. I've made sushi. I've made all kinds of things with cauliflower. And generally, if you use it as a substitute for, let's say, rice, if if you don't tell people, they can't even, they don't know it's cauliflower. That's right. They have no That's, clue. Now, what about dog talk? Dog tail. Dog tail. <laughs> now, the past, uh, I don't know if you can hear my dogs there. Not cooperating at this point. <laughs> they're just not listening to me, so they're making a racket. So uh, in India, we have this terrible, terrible issue with uh, street dogs that proliferate, you know, and the government has not been able to round them up and catch them. So there might be like 30 million stray dogs wandering all around the country. And uh, if you have one minute, I don't know how to make her stop. Okay. That's Is okay. it bothering you? I'm sorry, Joan. No. There's nothing I can do about her. Okay. It's okay. Um, so, yeah, so we have this big problem. And uh, there are, there's a huge community. Actually, it's, it's a small but very fierce and protective community of human beings that look after uh, these street dogs and get them spayed so that they don't reproduce, get them vaccinated, take care of them, adopt them, take them to the doctor, do all this kind of stuff. And I'm part of that community, and I wrote this book called Dog Tales because of my dog that was kidnapped outside my house, and she had vanished for a month, and I didn't know she was kidnapped. I thought, you know, she had run away or she was dead, or it was a nightmare. I went looking for her for an entire month, walking up and down the streets only at night because uh, they hide during the day, you know, they're scared. And as it turned out, somebody had kidnapped her, and I had to pay ransom. And then that's when I got her back. So it was a very exciting one month. With I had dog whisperers telling me where she was and tracking her. And so anyway, I wrote this book. It was very, very exciting. But we found her. You had to pay to get her back? Yes, I had to pay 2,500 rupees, which is like, saying I had to pay $2,500 to get her back because I had posted, you know, I I didn't know what else to do. So I just posted, I made posters. This was uh, a bo- posters on the street as well as on Facebook and all these other places um, saying that I'd pay 2500 if you and the, if someone found my dog and somebody found the dog after reading this poster, that some guy 
whom I'd never seen before in my life, came back and my dog was following him. So he had clearly taken her. And, you know, I was so happy to get her back that I didn't call the police or anything and the guy vanished. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah, really. Yeah. And, and it's terrible. But, you know, we have a law. We have a law here that doesn't allow anyone to kill a street dog. So even in a shelter, you cannot kill the dog. Whereas in America, you have kill shelters, correct? So the population has to be controlled by neutering, by by spaying. And until all the dogs are spayed, the problem keeps uh, growing. God, we do have problems on this planet. Let's play some more music because my heart can't take it. Um, now, I, I don't know, do I want to play Jailer? <laughs> What's Jailer about? It's a very nice song. It's a song, It's I like it. It's one of my favorite songs. Okay, we're going to play it. Thank you. 
What's this? The other story of my life. The other story of my life. I've had four husbands. How many did you have? Three. I'm on number three. (laughs) What is with jazz singers? What is with us? (laughs) I'm just not satisfied. I mean, I'm just not satisfied. That's what it is. Uh, I I can't get no satisfaction. <laughs> no, but it wasn't yeah. need and satisfaction. It was about abuse. It was about being imprisoned. It was about I know. everything is supposed to be for them and not for us. And I my mother uh-huh. I'm I'm what you call a quap, a queen <laughs> American princess. Okay. And I married three men who thought that I was their sugar mama. And the fourth Uh one, I was was his sugar mama. So (laughs) anyway, back back to you. (laughs) No, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Things happen, you know. So what are you doing now? Um, right now, I'm in the middle of a new project that I started about a few months ago, which is a podcast about dogs, because I'm kind of passionate about um, the animals and trying to figure out how to solve the issue. So there's a group of us. Uh, when I say a group, it's kind of a big group. It's several thousand people. We are all interconnected you know, through technology, and we try to help each other, try to curtail this problem with the dogs. And it keeps, it, it's a wonderful group of people. Uh, there, uh, there, I don't think there are any musicians in that group. At least I haven't come across any. But uh, it doesn't matter. The, the music is a different part. But just recently, you know, I think all the music is kicking up again. It's, things are opening up. So I'm hoping to get a few gigs to to be able to sing. But here's the thing. If I sing, then I can't do the podcast because if I'm singing, then I'm not talking because I need to save my voice, which is fragile as it is. So let's see what happens. I have to play it by ear. Not, you know, if I'm singing, my voice under wraps. But fortunately uh-huh. with the podcast, you know, it's like I'm shouting on stage or something like that. It's it's a quiet thing. It's like this, you know. Yes, yes. I take a medication that constricts my voice for my oh, blood what pressure. Is it's hydrochlorothiazide, and they they make my a gland swell in my throat, and so the the words can't come out. You know. Oh my! But I'm seventy. I'm seventy four years old. So I've had enough time kicking my feet up on stage. Well, it's never enough, right? I can. I saw you just the other day on <laughs> on stage on Facebook. It's wonderful, and you <laughs> you know absolutely you have many years left. No, no, no. I did that. You know that was my music. A lot of my music was yes. being played that night, and the particular yes. blues that I got up on stage with, it needed to be phrased the way that I wrote it. So I just jumped right. up there and I said it, you know. 
And everybody yeah. knew I was going to do that at some point. They just didn't know when. <laughs> but no, but fun? as far as getting a gig, rehearsing, pulling the musicians together, doing the promotion, that's it. That was my swan song. I'm done. Oh, that's what you'll say today. But you'll come out of retirement, I bet. No, I won't. <laughs> I've been on stage. You don't think so? No, I've been on stage since I was four. So I was on wow. stage 67 years. And it's enough. My body can't take it anymore. You know, really, it's so much wear and tear. But listen, I want to switch this subject for a moment. So, you know, Alice Coltrane went to India and worked with Ravi Shankar. So she found a connection between jazz and Indian music, right? Maybe it was an emotional connection. But, uh, you know, because I've been doing this for many, many years, and uh, in a technical sense, honestly, and I feel very strongly about this, the the Indian music is centered around a tonic. You know, one particular, you know, you have a scale which starts at a particular uh, spot and, and you know, goes up to so many notes, whether it's six notes or pentaton, five, five notes or six notes or seven notes or however, however many notes. You cannot veer from that. It's very rigid and it's very strict and melodically, that is. And there is no concept of harmony except incidentally, you know, the sympathetic string. So when you have Indian music uh, trying to do something with jazz, it's it's very difficult to do it, and uh, I don't I don't see why it needs to be combined at all. You can have you can have little whispers of it, you can have little hints of it, nuances of it if you want to. I know I try in some of my music. I don't know if you even hear it because it's not intentional. But uh, I think that Alice Coltrane felt an emotional connect and a spiritual connect with India, you know, I think. I don't know because I I wasn't there. Okay. Well, what was the impact impact of her coming to India? Uh, Maybe in a small sense there was an impact, but it didn't make headline news or anything like that in India because, you know, when the Beatles came to India, it made a big it was a big thing. So, you know, I mean, uh, I would, I don't think it made a huge, huge, big impact because, you know, I mean, Alice Coltrane isn't as, as famous as, say, John Coltrane. You know what I mean? Yeah, but see, th- that in itself, John Coltrane never went anywhere. Yeah, true. And she did. And because she yeah. has a vagina, she's not impactful. Yeah. That see that doesn't that conversation doesn't that's what makes me angry. I know. But you maybe know. maybe it's what you said, you know, it's about uh promoting it more or uh you know, all that kind of thing. You know what I mean? People should have set up a PR machine to uh uh, promote her arrival and the work she did, and I, I don't know. I mean, I would have. When did she come here? Actually, do do you know? 
Oh, it was back in the 70s, I'm sure. Okay, I don't know. I was probably in New York, at the, so uh, I could find out if anybody remembers, because well, I do belong I'm to a few. Well, I'm not Googling it right now. Internet. Around okay. the late 60s. Um, okay, late and in the 60s. 70s, she met Swami Satchidananda. And right, all to, those are people who... In, okay, India. These are all... Uh, right. So, Joan, you know, here's what you you got to kind of understand in a way that these spiritual gurus were way more popular in America than they were here in India. People used to not really pay attention to them because they were, I, I don't know, I mean, I don't want to say anything, especially on the air, but uh, it's not something that Indian people would, it would they wouldn't necessarily go to that guy. Um and, you know, it became a commodity, you know, the spirituality and yoga and, uh, you know, uh, what was that guy's name, Rajneesh and all. It was a big thing back then. And then, you know, when you watch all these Netflix documentaries about the various scams that took place, then you realize that it was mostly a big money-making thing. And some sincere, serious people like Alice Coltrane felt, you know, maybe felt a deep connection and felt a big bond. But... It didn't move the needle of the Indian public. Uh-huh. I see. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to cast any kind of aspersion on anybody and what they do because, you know, it's a totally, it's a personal thing. That is a spiritual people coming to India to seek some kind of spiritual healing, whereas I want to hit, you know, the bars of New York for my spiritual healing, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Well, it's what you don't have. What? It's what you don't have. You want the things that you don't have. So maybe people and people from America want to come here to find inner peace and spiritual uh, elevation and all those things that they feel they can't find locally. Whereas here in India, nobody wants all that. We want to go to America and ride around in fast cars. You know. (laughs) Everybody wants just the opposite of what they have, I understand. Exactly. So, um, let's see, we we have five more minutes. What do you want people to know about you as a jazz artist? Um, I want... I mean, I nothing really. I mean, there's nothing. Whatever they listen to, and if they like it, especially all the stuff that I have on YouTube, I feel that in in terms of my musical career, I, you know, I've been singing for over fifty years now, professionally on a stage, and uh, I feel that I'm. I, I there's. I've got so much more to say. I have so much more to write. I have so much more to do. So uh, it's. One of those things where I feel there's not enough time, you know, for me to finish all the music that I still have inside me to come out, you know, that's really where I'm at. And I I feel like there's a staring big hurry for me to hurry up and get it all out before I drop dead. You know, at least there's something for my son to listen to and maybe his children, you know, I don't know. Well, it's so funny because... I claim to be the only woman in the world with a jazz and blues songbook. 
And my uh-huh. kids all have my books, but they're locked away in a drawer somewhere. So my kids, you know, I don't think I have another song in me, to tell you the truth. Oh, I'm sure it's not true. I, I, I would love to meet you and do some song, some stuff together with you, a blues well, tune. I've written so many blues tunes, you know. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. What are these days? Who knows? One day. So... You see, I have a different um, perspective on blues. I wrote a little book called Blues Women, the first yes. um, the first civil rights workers. Right. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. The stories of how the blues came about are very different than the blues that you and I write. Right, because uh, absolutely. I say that the blues is the tears of a black woman whose husband is never coming home because he's either been oh. beaten to death and is face down in a crease. He's hanging from a tree with his testicles <laughs> castrated or he's on his way north and he will never return. So the blues has a very different meaning to me because yes. I did the research of these women, yes. Ma Rainey, Bessie Smith, yes. Alberta Hunter, you see. So yes. I write happy blues. I do. I write very happy, comical blues. But the reality of the blues is it's heartbreaking, you know. It completely, most certainly is. It most certainly is. And the beauty of it is also that, uh, you know, it that, that message comes through to anyone who sings it. Because, I mean, you're, you're right about whether you write happy blues or whatever. The, 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 the use of the particular scales and the way the chords are structured, whether it's a 12 bar or a 16 bar or whatever you want, uh, you know, you can't help but feel the pain. Right. Well, no matter where in the world. On a positive note, I want to let's talk to that. you again. Okay. So let us I'd keep in touch. Okay. Absolutely. And I hope that I get a chance to meet you in person because that would be just divine. Let's do it. Let's do it. WIJSF.com Women in Jazz South Florida Inc. is a nonprofit educational organization that promotes women musicians globally 